Section 19 of The Marshes of Minas. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Marie Christian. By The Marshes of Minas. By Sir Charles G. D. Roberts. Gruel's Gift, Part 2. The sloping glacis of Fort Lawrence, mantled with snow, gleamed in the noon sun. From the flagstaff on its southwest bastion flapped lazily the red ensign of England, centineling the white levels of the marshes out to the winding line where the dark gash of the Massiguash Channel divided English sway from the domains of France. In the low wood-sealed dining room of the officers' quarters, Within the Fort Quadrangle, Major Ford with Captain John Sansom and a half-dozen trim subalterns were but lately seated at their Christmas dinner. Major Ford being a Warwickshire Englishman, the dinner was an English dinner with a juicy roast in sight and a round plum pudding aflame with cognac in neighborly prospect. Captain Sansom was a New Englander but well inclined to see the Christmas feast no less honored at the board than his native festival of Thanksgiving. He had praised the deep-shelled Beverte oysters as fit to grace a banquet of Lucullus. The Madeira had been especially commended, sipped and savored, and sipped again, by all who valued the Major's good opinion, which is to say, by all the company. Nor in this did anyone compromise his conscience, for, indeed, the Major had a nice palate for Madeira. The beef, carved with ceremony, had been pronounced a credit to the fat meadows of McCann. At this juncture an orderly appeared, saluted, and stood just inside the door. The Major had a red, smooth-shaven face and little irascible eyes which served to mask a very amiable sort of soul. He looked up and glared at the orderly. "'If you please, sir,' said the latter, saluting again. Someone outside wants to see you at once, without any delay, sir. What's his name? What does he want? demanded the major sharply. If you please, sir, answered the man, he won't give me no name whatever, and his business, he says as ow it's most instant. If I might make so bold, sir, I think as ow he's mad. He looks queer, and his at's like a steeple and he carries a little stick with a most extraordinary head, like a Punch and Judy show. The Major had little imagination and much appetite. He was about to bid the stranger wait till after dinner, but Captain Sansom tactfully intervened before the decree went forth. I have heard of this man, Major Ford, said he, a very strange being who goes by the name of Gruel. Mad, doubtless, but with so far a method in his madness that he never appears save when something important is afoot. He has a strange power in Acadia. He is the mortal foe of Lagarne, and he does nothing to cheapen himself. I beg you to let him come in. Exclamations ran around the table, endorsing the captain's request. It will be so entertaining, don't you think, Major? List the young Lieutenant Wren, whose proud courage won tolerance for his affections. Well, 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 grumbled the Major. If you like, if you like. More entertaining with the nuts and port, I should say. But at once, if you like, gentlemen, show him in, Jenkins. 
The orderly disappeared like an automaton, and a minute later the tall, fantastic form of Gruel moved noiselessly into the room. His eyes gleamed coldly upon the Major's face. Then they rested for a few seconds upon the dark, wide-awake countenance of Captain Sansom, and then, with an indescribable power, they swept the whole circle. Grotesque as was his appearance, no one laughed, no one knew till afterward, in looking back upon the incident, that he was grotesque. Major Ford took a keen scrutiny and muttered, Crazy, crazy as a coot. But a gentleman, yes, yes. And rising from the table, he very courteously offered him a chair. The visitor waved it aside with a sort of civil scorn. It may concern you to know, said he, with penetrating slowness, that not far from here a white woman and her child are being carried into captivity by savages. I thank you for the information, sir, replied the major, as if it had been the most ordinary affair in the world. Where are they? By now passing through Jolicoeur, on their way north to the villages of Nespisigwit, said Grull. If you march from here straight toward Tidnish, you will cross their trail. I'm obliged to you, said the major again. It shall be seen to. Have a glass of wine with... But he stopped with an indignant snort when he found himself addressing the visitor's unceremonious back. In a second, Gruel was gone, as swiftly and noiselessly as he came. Pon my word, ejaculated the major, sitting down. Most singular, but clear, quite clear. Come, gentlemen, do justice to this good roast. Another cut, I beg you, Mr. Wren. We must be stirring right after we have finished dinner. But Mr. Wren was on his feet, preparing to protest against delay. Captain Sansom, however, was ahead of him. I entreat you, sir, he cried passionately. Let me take twenty file and go at once in pursuit. They will be already far ahead of us. Tut-tut, rejoined the major impatiently. They must travel but slowly with a woman. Our fellows will soon overtake them. Shall a dinner like this be spoiled for a matter of two hours extra tramping? Sit down, sit down, Captain Sansom. The captain sat down, but instantly sprang up again in a strong excitement. But the case is urgent, sir, he cried. I feel that it is most urgent. This morning, an hour or two back, when I was in the casement, I distinctly heard a woman's voice call for help, somewhere from the woods beyond Bobessin. You may laugh, but I cannot rest a moment till we set out. The major sat back in his chair and scanned the speaker. Totally absurd, Captain Sansom, said he. The woods are two miles away, and moreover, you were in the casement, where you could not hear if she had called from the barracks windows. I know it is impossible, but... But sit down, sir, interrupted the major testily. And you too, Mr. Wren. I know my business, gentlemen. Both sat down but rose again at once, and this time the officers got up with them. The major's face darkened, but before he could thunder, Captain Sansom spoke again with vehement appeal. And we know our duty, sir, and will obey you to the letter, he cried. But let me beg you to hear me patiently. How can we sit here warm and safe, laughing over this good dinner, when a countrywoman of ours and a little child are out there helpless and hopeless, in the hands of those red devils of Lagarnes being dragged to who knows what fate? 
Think of it, sir. Why, how could we sit here guzzling? The stuff would choke us. You have no child of your own, no wife, or you could not be so unmoved, Major Ford, at the thought of that. No, Captain Sansom, I have no wife, no child, interrupted the Major gravely and a little sadly. I thank God for it. Be thankful your own are safe in Boston, far away from the perils of a soldier's life. I am not so indifferent, however, as you think. Only impetuosity seemed to me needless in this matter. Sit down, gentlemen. It shall be as you wish. You may go at once, Captain, taking one of our officers with you, and twenty men. Let them put bread and beef in their knapsacks. You will select, of course, men who can use these abominable snowshoes. Whom do you wish to help you? All the company sprang up to volunteer, but Captain Sansom laid his hand on young Wren's shoulder. Thank you, Major, he exclaimed with elation in his voice. I'll take Wren if he is willing, and if the rest of you will save a little of the pudding for us, you will see us back shortly to eat it, with good appetite and good conscience. Who would have thought, gentlemen? grumbled the Major, peering around upon the diminished company as Sansom and Wren hastily withdrew that my staff would be threatening mutiny in the very teeth of a Christmas dinner. End of section 19, Gruel's Gift, part 2